This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Patriots, you surely know people in your life who are struggling to buy a home. Could be young citizens who are trying to get their lives started or the hardworking strivers, the working class folks who are aspirational and want to be upwardly mobile. All of them finding it nearly impossible to buy a home, largely because of Biden's inflationary fiasco that makes interest rates soar and mortgages unaffordable, but also because of increasing institutional investor participation in the single family home market. Let me show you what I mean by the numbers. Used to be near 0% of homes were sold to institutions. It got into the double digits by 2020. By 2021, 13.2% of all single family homes were bought by institutions. According to MetLife projections, that number is gonna be 40% by the year 2030. We're not too far from that right now in the state of Texas, almost a third of all homes being sold to institutions, the majority in Tarrant County, and they're paying up. They're paying 70% above the statewide median price for a home in the state of Texas. If we're gonna keep the American dream of home ownership alive, particularly for young people and for the strivers, we need to curtail, if not eliminate, institutional participation in the single family housing market. This is a populist, imperative into 2024 elections. Okay, welcome back. It's uh, tax day. It's the uh, 18 April Tuesday in the year of our Lord 2023. So how do we how do we do this, particularly in the fact that uh, was it is it 90 day treasuries? What's popped over 5%? There's all kind of bad news coming out of capital markets. How does this inform what's going on in the housing market? Because aren't they going to argue, well, hey, people can't afford mortgages anymore. So the institutions have to step in and bail out the uh, home builders, sir? And, and you're exactly correct. This is very relevant to this discussion. The, the mortgage unaffordability or the housing unaffordability issue is only going to get worse unless we reverse course, uh, you know, unless the GOP House in particular uh, holds the line in debt ceiling negotiations. Because if we can pull up chart number one. Let me show you what's happened to very short-term money. These are three-month T-bills, three-month Treasury bills. This is extremely Fed-sensitive. That chart goes back 20 years that I'm showing you right there. And right now, three-month T-bill yields, the interest rate on three-month money from the U.S. Treasury has, has vaulted above 5%, something it has not done, Steve, since 2007, as I show there in the previous highlighted area. <laughs> We know how things turned out in 2007, by the way. Hold it. Hold it. Should the claghorns start? First off, we'll go to 2007. But isn't this the smart money? Isn't this the biggest downvote on the Biden business model you've ever seen? Right? With with jacking up here? Steve, this is a bond market. It's a global bond market revolt. 
against Biden, against his business plan, if we can call it that, his catastrophe plan, against his inflationary madness. And what the bond market is also telling us with this move just in the last couple of days, with three month, because this is very Fed sensitive, three month T-bill rates going above 5%, is they're saying, guess what? The Fed is not going to ride to the rescue. That in other words, the Fed, which has another meeting in a couple of weeks, is going to either continue hiking rates or perhaps stand pat. But the idea that the Fed is going to reverse course and start cutting rates, which I think a lot of stock market investors are banking on, the bond market, which generally historically is far smarter than stocks and far smarter than the Fed, quite frankly, normally leads the Fed where it needs to go, is saying, no, the Fed needs to remain vigilant because inflation, while it is less awful than it was, say, last summer, inflation is still, still systemic and persistent in the American economy. So what I would say, though, Steve, to, to critics who might say, you know, I'm taking this back to housing, uh, who might say, well, if people can't afford them anyway, let the institutions buy them. H hold on, Steve, though, here's the thing, right? I, I'm not a, a free market absolutist, not at all. What matters most to this country is that we have a, a shared and broad prosperity in the country, not a concentration of wealth where relatively few institutions and individuals do well. We, we have slid far too much that way toward an oligarchy. And if home ownership is an important ideal, if family formation is a goal of our country, then young people and American strivers need to be able to afford a decent home. One way to ensure that, the biggest way to ensure that, of course, is stop this inflationary madness. But another way is to put limits uh, on institutional investment in the single family housing market. This is something that never existed before in, of any consequence in American history until recent years. And if we don't course correct, very soon, massive financial institutions, mass, massive funds are going to effectively control the single family housing market in the United States. And I don't believe that serves the interests of our society flourishing at all. I want to get into Janet Yellen, the de-dollarization, Lavrov's meeting with Brazil, because this is all going to get back to the capital markets. And that's going to roll back through the mortgage market, because I don't know kids have under 20. By the way, if you keep voting for it, all you millenn you keep voting for it, you're going to deserve everything you get, uh, which is going to be the worst economic crisis in the history of the nation. The aren't aren't they going to argue? They're going to be all over CNBC. Uh, Steve was uh, Leesman and these guys, all the liberals over there are going to be over. Oh, the the ninety day, the three month is is going through the roof because you got Russ vote, you got Chip Roy say he's going to that a sine qua non of getting a budget deal is to unravel the Inflation Reduction Act, the $1.7 trillion giveaway program, aren't they going to say this is a rejection of the radicals, of the MAGA Republican uh, massive uh, cut uh, radical, take the punch bowl away, stop the, uh, stop the party on Capitol Hill, sir? Steve, CNBC and the rest of the legacy media, they may try to push that ridiculous narrative, but as is normally the case, whatever they say, the opposite or close to the opposite is very often true. Uh, and that is certainly the reality right now when we look at the United States budget. The United States budget is absolutely out of control and worsening by the day because tax receipts are not even close to keeping pace with the massive increases in spending. We took a country that was already borrowing and spending too much 
Now, we were doing so at least for sort of understandable exogenous reasons, meaning the COVID crisis in 2020. But even then, I would argue we were borrowing and spending far too much. Uh, we then massively ratcheted it up higher, ramped it up higher into 2021, even though the U.S. economy by that time, because of the Trump boom 2.0, was recovering with gusto and without inflation. So Biden created an inflationary spiral rather than recognizing this calamity and saying, OK, time to pull back. What is Biden doing? He's proposing even more, uh, a, a budget in his proposal that is 35% higher now than the pre-pandemic 2019 budget. So there is no sanity coming out of Washington, D.C., either from the White House or from establishment Republicans. And so given that, and given what the markets are telling us about inflation, it is more imperative than ever if we are to try to recover some trajectory of fiscal sanity that the House Republicans hold the line. And I believe, by the way, you mentioned Russ vote. I believe that his plan is exactly the kind of plan, exactly the kind of blueprint for us to get there. Now, Kevin McCarthy proposed at the least holding discretionary spending to 2022 levels. I think that's a decent place to start. That's a decent baseline to say at the least, uh, let's sort of do no more harm. Let's, even though that was too much spending, uh, let's have that be a starting point. But the point is, Steve, regarding the bond market, the bond market is telling us right now that we are in a very, very deep crisis. Now, a lot of folks in Washington, D.C. may not understand that. They may not care about what the bond market is telling us. But guess what? Even if you've never traded a bond in your life, even if you never watch interest rates, this matters so much more to you than anything that goes on in other capital markets. It matters more than anything that goes on in the stock market. And the fact that three-month Treasury yield is now hitting higher levels since 2007 should absolutely frighten the bejesus out of every American. Because here's the other thing, Steve, at least going into the 08-09 catastrophe, that, the housing crisis, at least we had a pretty robust economy going into it, right? Now, there was unbelievable tumult and unbelievable pain, and I'm not trying to diminish any of that, especially for folks out there who suffered during that period, especially if they happened to lose their home, which millions of Americans did. I'm not in any way diminishing that very real pain, but at least we went into that crisis in a relatively healthy financial place. It's the exact opposite right now, Steve. In other words, we are hobbling to the edge of the cliff and about to fall yeah. off of the cliff. That's the reality right now. And I would also Let's, stipulate that the risks now yeah. are not in the in the domestic, in the, in the residential housing market. The risks yeah. primarily are in the commercial real estate commercial. market in terms of this. Commercial. That'll be the, that'll be the dominant. Okay. I also want for our listeners, we're not here to give you financial advice, but we let's do a little microeconomics right now, not macro. On, on the m micro, two things are going to happen. You see this happening simultaneously. They try to get their hands around this crisis. A credit contraction and higher rates. What does credit contraction mean to you? Credit contraction means even if you qualified for a mortgage, there's going to be less opportunity. They're going to pull that back, particularly right. as these real estate, the commercial real estate starts to get blown up. You're going to see massive credit contraction. The other thing, particularly these young people, remember you used to get in the, used to get into the uh, mail 10 credit cards, right? You just sign up, you get 10 credit cards. All those credit cards that have $2,500 you know, limits and you're tapped at the limit because you're paying the high interest rate, you're going to start getting notification from guys. Say, hey, we looked at that $2,500. We think we want to go. We, we love you as a customer, but it's going to be $1,500. So the next time you, you, send your, you send your monthly interest payment, staple a $1,000 check to that. That's what I mean by credit contraction. You're going to start seeing right. that happen all over. Steve, you agree. And how is yes. that going to – that's the micro. How's that going yes. to – how is that then going to roll through the whole system? Consumer spending, consumer right. credit, mortgages. How is that going to roll through, brother? 
an incredibly deep recession, Steve, at least as bad, I think, as the 0809 recession and perhaps worse, because, again, we entered it in a far weaker state. And by the way, to that point, if we, if we can show chart number two, slide number two, to that point of, of tightened lending and, and the credit crunch that is looming and to show you just how aloof our policymakers are in Washington, D.C., how they either don't understand this or if they do, they just don't care. Here's what Janet Yellen said. This is from a Reuters article. U.S. banks may tighten lending and negate the need for more rate hikes. So to translate that, okay, from our Secretary of the Treasury, who I believe is by far the worst Secretary of the Treasury ever in the history of the United States. It's, it's an absolute atrocity that she is the inheritor of the effective seat of Alexander Hamilton. But what she's saying there effectively is, we are gonna crash the economy so badly that that will take care of inflation. And listen, that may in fact happen, all right? Inflation may dial down because the economy is in such intense pain and there was such a deep crisis that it actually pulls back on inflationary madness. But that is still the worst of all scenarios. And the fact that she's actually willing to say that publicly, she also publicly over the weekend admitted uh, in, in some uncharacteristic bluntness from Janet Yellen that the United States dollar is in danger. And she admitted that the dollar is in danger precisely because of the harsh U.S. sanctions that the U.S. has imposed because it insists on escalating the Black Sea crisis between Ukraine and Russia. And she admitted that many of the largest players in the world are now looking for dollar alternatives. So you have her saying domestically here at home, gee, the Fed may not need to raise rates that much more because banks aren't going to lend to anybody and the economy will crash as if that's an acceptable alternative. At the same time, she's also saying, uh, while we run these massive uncontrollable deficits, that the US dollar is in trouble, which means, Steve, that the rest of the world will not be nearly as interested or willing to finance our deficits, which means that all of a sudden, the, the, the profligacy, uh, the wasteful, exorbitant borrowing and spending that we have effectively gotten away with because of the primacy of the dollar, that goes away. And if we get more normal market interest rates, if we get treated by the rest of the world as if we're a bit of an emerging economy, which is possible, then the United States truly enters a, an economic downward spiral. And all of that is possible. And people who don't think it's possible, I encourage you to please look at history. Countries like Argentina were once incredibly wealthy, wealthier than the United States yeah. by many metrics over a century ago. Um, they descended yeah. into the same kind of inflationary and debt madness. It is possible for the United States to follow that sad trajectory, but it's also possible in just these coming days and weeks for us to reverse course, for us to start to steer the ship back toward fiscal sanity and shared prosperity in the country. And, and I think that we need yeah. to run on that populist economic message. Steve, hang on one second. I want to ask you about Roger Marshall's, the 300 page report, uh, because you've been the, the leader in this reparations thing of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, the next couple of weeks, the posse is going to prove their toughness, their mettle as we stand in the breach on the debt ceiling fight short break back in a moment inflation has consequences as the fed raises interest rates to combat out of control government spending long-term bonds have diminished in value crippling banks depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks diversification has never looked more important to you the recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. 
Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401ks that are tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, either gold or silver. And here's the best part. It's tax sheltered. Let me repeat that. It's tax sheltered. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today. Take action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh... In this segment, we're going to talk about things that President Trump calls it the N-word, nuclear weapons. We're going to talk about two things that are far more destructive and deadlier than nuclear weapons. And, hey, they're pretty destructive. Steve Cortez, you've been at the forefront of saying, I, I, I don't know what we're doing here, but why are we not forcing reparations from the Chinese Communist Party on the, right. for the nation and other nations? Of what they Roger Marshall's got 300—Senator Roger Marshall— has got a 300-page report that says, hey, it came from Wuhan lab from July through September of 19 in two, at least two distinct lab leaks of what essentially is a gain-of-function bioweapon. Your thoughts, right. sir? Well, congratulations to Senator Marshall for this excellent and deeply cited report to Dr. Marshall. This is so critical on the financial side, too, Steve, because reparations are a must. Uh, justice requires it, and also the financial condition of the United States requires it. And listen, $1 trillion, which is roughly what uh, we owe the Chinese, by no means solves our debt problem, but it is a down payment, at least, on biological war reparations that the CCP clearly owes to the people of America. The far total is far bigger than that. Uh, and I think Dr. Peter Navarro says it's roughly $20 trillion. Wherever the amount is, a trillion is a good initial down payment. That debt should absolutely be released because we know as a matter of fact that even if it wasn't created as a bioweapon, I believe it was, but even if it wasn't, we know as a fact that the Chinese 100% knew fully what they were dealing with, lied to the world, lied to the United States, got the fake medical stamp of approval from the World Health Organization, and infected, knowingly infected the entire globe, including, of course, the United States. This was an epidemiological Pearl Harbor, and they need to pay war reparations, starting with that treasury debt. I would then move on to tariffs, which I think make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, uh, but tariffs should be significantly higher and ratchet higher over time to defray what they owe us for war reparations. Steve, how do people uh, follow you on social media? Yeah, please follow me on the Twitter. I'm at Cortez, Steve Cortez with an S. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Uh, let's bring in Joe Allen. Joe, we had the Google uh, 60 Minutes, and we did this again last night on, on Getter. We had this start of the Elon Musk conversation with uh, with Tucker. Before I get it, we're going to play a cold open for you. Uh, Elon referred to being called a speciesist. We're the head of the Luddites here and proud of it. Just tell our audience, what is a speciesist? Why was that used as a pejorative term thrown at Elon Musk? from Larry Page, the head of uh, Google? 
So, Steve, the speciesists or speciesists, as he said it, uh, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot by transhumanists. You heard, um, you know, we covered last year this push for robot rights and civil rights for artificial intelligence. And as crazy as that may sound, uh, Zoltan Istvan, the one-time presidential candidate for the Transhumanist Party, published an op-ed in Newsweek last month arguing for just that. And then The Hill published another op-ed very similar to that, asking for robot rights. Now, what are the people, what kind of monster wouldn't advocate for robot rights? A speciesist, someone who is biased towards their own species, in our case, human beings against potentially destructive uh, artificial intelligence and robots. I just want to make sure people that we're not making this up. This sounds like you think this sounds like science fiction. This may be the most important things that are happening in the world right now. I would actually say the most important things. I told Mike Lindell, never again can you have a machine. And I'm not a machine guy, but you can't machines got artificial intelligence. This artificial intelligence revolution is overwhelming everything of the, and it's just, it's going to be followed by other aspects of transhumanism. Let's play the clip and I'm going to bring Joe Allen back. So all of a sudden, AI is everywhere. People who weren't quite sure what it was are playing with it on their phones. Is that good or bad? The, the smartest creatures, as far as you know, on this earth are humans, um, is our defining characteristic. What happens when something uh, vastly smarter than the smartest person uh, comes along in silicon form? Uh, it's very difficult to predict what will happen in that circumstance. It's called the singularity. It's, you know, it's a singularity like a black hole, because yes. you, you don't know what happens after that. It's hard to predict. I don't think the average person yes. playing with AI on his iPhone perceives any danger. Can you just roughly explain what you think the dangers might be? It has the potential. Uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. You think... That's real. It is, it is conceivable that AI could take control and reach a point where you couldn't turn it off and it would be making, making the decisions for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, that's, that's definitely the, where things are headed, uh, for sure. The, the reason uh, OpenAI exists at all is that Larry Page and I used to be close friends and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto. He really seemed to be um, once sort of a digital superintelligence, basically digital god, if you will, uh, uh, as soon as possible. Um, he wanted that? Yes. He's, he's made many public statements over the years uh, that, that the whole goal of Google is uh, uh, what's called AGI, artificial general intelligence or artificial superintelligence. But, you know, and, I, and I agree with him that the, there's great potential for good, um, but there's also potential for bad. If you have um, a superintelligent uh, AI that is capable of writing incredibly well and, and in a way that is very influential, you know, convincing, then and and is and is constantly figuring out what is more, what is more and what is more convincing to people over time, and then enter social media, for example, Twitter, uh, but also Facebook and others, you know, and and potentially manipulates public opinion in a way that is very bad. How would we even know? In effect, Microsoft has a very strong say, if not directly controls uh, OpenAI at this point. Um, so you really have an OpenAI and Microsoft situation, and then a Google DeepMind uh, are, the, are the two sort of heavyweights in this arena. So I, I, I think I will create a third option, um, although starting very late in the game, of course. An AI that cares about understanding the universe uh, it is unlikely to annihilate humans because we are an interesting part of the universe. 
Uh, hopefully, <laughs> they would think that. We have souls, and that makes us sentimental and reflective. It gives us a moral sense, longings. Can a machine ever have those things? I, I, I take somewhat of a scientific view, view of things, which is that we, we might have a soul or we might not have a soul. I don't know. The overarching goal of Neuralink is to create a, ultimately a whole brain interface. In, in, you know, in the long term, literally could interface with uh, every aspect of your brain. Like, know, what, what, what do we do about AI? Like, what do we do about artificial general intelligence? If, if we have digital super intelligence that's you know, just much smarter than any human, how do we mitigate that risk? Um, and then even in a benign scenario, where the AI is uh, very, very benevolent, then how do we even go along for the go along for the ride? How do we, we participate? So you want to be able to read the signals from the brain. You want to be able to to write the signals. Uh, you want to be able to ultimately do that for the entire brain, um, and then also extend that to communicating to the rest of your nervous system. So this is um, Pager, who is playing. Uh, monkey mind pong. A pager has a neural link implant in this video. It's sort of like having an Apple Watch or a Fitbit re replacing a piece of skull with like a you know a smartwatch. <laughs> AI will make jobs kind of pointless. Probably the last job that will remain will be doing writing AI software and then eventually the AI will just write its own software. Okay, um as important as this audience is for um, the head of the creditors committee, there's something that supersedes that, and that is this. Th this is a crisis in an emergency. And you, <laughs> you can see it when he's talking about Larry Page. What is going on and what they are building and what they continue to build, nobody is going to be able to control. It is so obvious about that. And I am a, more of a hardliner on this than anything else I've ever been a hardliner on. We have to defend, the, and he says, you may or may not have a soul. Okay, look, we talk for the people that have a soul, okay? Maybe you don't, maybe you think you don't. But Joe Allen, this is quickly spinning out of control, sir. Steve, what we're talking about is oftentimes compared to a nuclear arms race, and for good reason. Uh, two scenarios that really are nightmarish. One the one that Elon Musk is talking about and all these other guys that we bring up are talking about is that artificial general intelligence, because it is faster than humans and can process way more data, would be completely out of human control and could gain control of any kind of critical system like nuclear weapons or like a biolab or it could manipulate human beings to destroy each other. That is nightmare scenario number one over in the worst possible category. Nightmare scenario number two, you don't even need super intelligence. You just need artificial intelligence systems that are sophisticated enough to monitor entire human populations and control them through specifically tailored propaganda or other mechanisms, much like we see in the Chinese uh, Communist Party's society. So what we see with Musk is an open sort of transhumanist technocrat okay. who is saying that technology right. is a problem. So what we need is more technology and we need our good technology no. at x.ai. And, and these are supposed to be the good guys, the good guys. 
Take Dr. Marshall's report on the Chinese Communist Party and what they were doing in Wuhan in building, contra to the treaty they signed on bioweapons, they were building offensive biological weapons in the Wuhan lab that I still say, hey, maybe inadvertently escaped. I know a lot of people on my phone are blown up. They say, hey, they let it out on purpose. Whatever. They, that is on the biological weapon side. You don't think they're doing the same thing on the artificial intelligence side? You're kidding yourself. And this is where we have no margin for error. Joe, hang on. Uh, we got a lot of wood to chop here in the last 30 minutes, and we're going to chop it off, okay? We, Joe Allen's going to join us. We've got the Liberty Council on um, transgender ideology. We've got a lot going. Liz, you another fiasco at the United Nations. Okay, all next in the war room. Friends, it's hard to trust anything anymore. Our most important institutions are being systematically destroyed. Are you prepared for things to get worse? Because true freedom comes from self-reliance. And that means having emergency food on hand. Invest your food foundation with three-month emergency food kits from My Patriot Supply. That's a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. These kits provide over 2,000 calories per day. For energy during tough times, get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. The food's delicious. Your whole family will love it. Order yours today and receive receive a free gravity-powered Alexa Pure Pro water filtration system valued at $279 as a bonus. Let me repeat that. You order today. You get a free gravity-powered Alexa Pure Pro water filtration system valued at $279 as a bonus. With this offer, you're securing food and purified water for the next crisis. Your three-month kit and free Alexa Pure Pro are all shipped to your doorstep in discreet boxes with free shipping included. Don't let this emergency food offer from My Patriot Supply pass. Action today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Get your order in and your free gravity-powered Alexa Pure Pro water filtration system valued at $279. Yes. Um, I mean, the, 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 the reason uh, OpenAI exists at all is that um, Larry Page and I used to be close friends, and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto, and I would talk to him late into the night about uh, AI safety. And at least my perception was that Larry was not taking... Uh, AI safety uh, seriously enough, um, and um, what did he say about it? He really seemed to be one um, one sort of digital superintelligence, basically digital god, if you will, uh, uh, as soon as possible. Um, he wanted that. Yes, he's, he's made many public statements over the years uh, that, that the whole goal of Google is uh, what's called AGI, artificial general intelligence, or artificial superintelligence. You know, and I, and I agree with him that the, there's great potential for good, um, but there's also potential for bad. And so if, if you've got some um, radical new technology, you want to try to take a set of actions that maximize probably it, it will do good and minimize probably it will do bad things. Yes. Um, it, it can't just be health leather. Let's just go, you know, barreling forward and, you know, hope for the best. And then at one point, uh, I said, well, what about, you know, who we're going to make sure humanity's okay here? Um, <laughs> and, 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 um, uh, and then he called me a speciest. Uh, 
<laughs> did he use did he use that term? Yes. And there were witnesses. I wasn't the only one there when he called me a speciesist. And so I was like, okay, that's it. Uh, I've yes, I'm a speciesist. Okay, you got me. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fully a speciesist. Um, busted. Um, so um, that was his last role. At the time. Uh, Google uh, had acquired DeepMind, and so Google and DeepMind together had about three quarters of all the uh, AI talent in the world. They obviously had a tremendous amount of money. They also have the remember it's the it's the computing muscle. They're the top in the world, or in the top couple in the world. Um, this term, once again, define it, Joe. We'll, we'll figure about getting you on this afternoon or tomorrow because this is so important. But speciesist. Basically, somebody that defends, that believes that the human be- human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. This is why I talk about mocking the uh, the eternal sin of mocking the Holy Spirit. It's right there. And you got this guy, you got these guys at Google, and this is what Scott Pelley and 60 Minutes Dance Run, they should have been playing these quotes. They should have been playing the quotes from Larry Page and Sergi. Uh, digital God, artificial general intelligence, artificial super intelligence. All you got to do is look at Wuhan lab. All you got to do is look at what they've been playing with on these bioweapons, which are beyond deadly and beyond uncontrollable. Joe Allen. Yeah, Steve. I mean, you know, Musk obviously comes off very, very amiable there. I think uh, all of us agree that speciesism is not the worst sin in the world. But what you also saw in that interview with Tucker Carlson is Musk's attempt to gain the trust of those on the right and the same people in the middle. I think he's done a very good job of that, a frighteningly good job of that. And when he's putting forward this competitor, this third option beyond Microsoft and Google's artificial intelligence system, his XAI system, it comes with a Neuralink, right? It comes with uh, Optimus the robot. It comes with the X app, which is what Twitter is supposed to become a payment system that uh, integrates finances into social media and the artificial intelligence systems that are working there. So, uh, you know, to me, Steve, what I see is undoubtedly this competitive race of uh, towards artificial general intelligence playing out uh, in in, in the same sort of way that nuclear weapons did. But in the same way that Robert Oppenheimer was the one who warned against nuclear war, Robert Oppenheimer was also largely responsible for the construction of the bomb. Elon Musk is jumping into the fray to create the artificial intelligence bomb he's warning about. Anybody that's watched that interview, and maybe we'll replay it tonight. Anybody watched that interview with Tucker Carlson last night that's buying this guy's snake oil, uh, you're a fool. Let me just be blunt. Any of the ripe, any of the fanboys and, and, and my brother Darren Beatty, who I love, anybody that's out there fanboying for Elon Musk, you're a fool. You're a fool. You're a fool. You th- you trust this guy? If you trust him, you're a fool. Okay, uh, how did we get to you, uh, Joe? We'll get you back on. How, this, the interview last night, I thought, exposed everything you needed to expose about he's a da- he's a he's not as dangerous as Page and these guys. Or, these companies literally ought to be shut down right now. They ought to be seized and shut down. Let me repeat that. They ought to be seized and shut down. This is going to go to an emergency. I've been telling you guys it's going to go to an emergency. Now it's all coming out. How do we get to you, Joe? 
Jobot.xyz, warroom.org under the transhumanism tab, social media at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you, brother. Forget the, 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 the I told Lindell, if you don't, every Democrat, look, it is artificial intelligence in a free society are totally and completely incompatible. Let me repeat that. Artificial intelligence in a free society are absolutely and totally incompatible. Full freaking stop. I want to bring in now Matt Staver over at Liberty Council. The work you guys have been doing is incredible. Uh, I got to get this up about the satanic clubs. Just wanted people to understand. You've been leading the effort throughout the country to have kids have good news clubs, right? Can you describe what that is and how that's kind of, I'm not saying triggered, but these satanic clubs to try to try to um, basically get these young people and turn them into satanic uh, temple uh, devil worshipers, uh, satanic worshipers, part of the satanic cult. Walk me through how that's playing out throughout the country, sir. Yes, we uh, represent uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship, which sponsors the Good News Clubs. And there's a case that began at the United States Supreme Court that really set the landscape for this going back to June 11, 2001, that found that it's unconstitutional to allow other clubs, for example, like the Boy Scouts on campus, while you're excluding Christian clubs like the Good News Clubs. So these are elementary school clubs, K through five, some in the lower middle schools, generally kids five through 12. And they have after-school uh, programs. They only allow kids based on parents' permission. There's now over 4,800 uh, good news clubs in elementary and, and middle schools around the country. We've never lost a case. We've had over 200 cases on behalf of good news clubs and child evangelism fellowships. So they're very successful. Principals, frankly, have asked for these good news clubs because they see a positive benefit in the behavior of the kids after a good news club comes on campus after school. Well, this caught the attention of this fringe group, the so-called Satanic Clubs Organization. And they have one purpose, and that is to remove good news clubs by scaring school board officials and local officials into saying that, well, you have the good news club on campus, so we, the Satanic Clubs, have a right to meet on campus as well, and we wanna be able to meet their whole purpose is not really to meet. Their whole purpose is not to have a club. Their whole purpose is to scare the school officials into saying, we're not going to allow you to meet. And oh, by the way, we're going to shut down the good news clubs. Well, that hasn't happened. The good news clubs are continuing to grow. Frankly, what we see is more of a media smoke screen that they put forth. They present information that they're meeting on campus. What happens in reality, and we've traced these, is that, yes, they may ultimately meet on campus, but they fizzle out because nobody wants to send their kids to these so-called satanic clubs. Now, they're putting out different videos that are not scary ghost and goblin satanic videos. They're putting out videos that show that maybe they can have fun. But frankly, they are playing with fire. Uh, the people that actually started it are not true satanists. They're actually more agnostic or atheist. But they use satanic symbols, and therefore they're playing with fire by doing so, to use this as a scare tactic, and they present it to the media anywhere, whether it's a public school with uh, after-school clubs or some other place, like in the case that we won at the U.S. Supreme Court 9-0 to in the Boston case with regard to the Christian flag. 
they try to come after us, behind us, and they try to have the same kind of access. So they send out press releases, get a lot of media, they have a lot of hype. And then when you go back and you investigate what success they had, if they did start, they fizzled out because eventually people just simply say, we have no interest in this. But that's their whole reason for existence, their whole rates on detra, if you will, and that is to eliminate good news clubs. You know what? It's not going to happen. Uh, we're continuing to grow these good news clubs, school principals, other people around the country. They recognize that these good news clubs uh, that teach good character from a biblical perspective, you know what? The kids actually begin to respect one another. They begin to respect their parents. They begin to respect their teachers. And they see a visible, positive transformation in the kids. But, but, and that's why these clubs are growing but, so but, rapidly. But, 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 but obviously, the, the, the good news clubs, the benefits are self-evident. Isn't the issue, you got these parents, and it just takes a couple of kids, because the way they're selling it, we played the jingles on, uh, and showed the videos on Saturday. I think my sister was here. She, she brought it up because a lot of people she knows worried about this. They make it into self-empowerment. They, they don't really, you're not having the, they're not sacrificing animals right? They're not doing black mass at the beginning. They're looking at it as a self-empowerment tool. If you look at this, it's all the, it's all the modern, ther- you know, the 21st century modernist, uh, modernism's, you know, self-help therapy is all this. The kid can be self-empowered. They can have self-respect. They do all this. Isn't the issue, is any of these get traction at all? Maybe they don't start with anybody, but you just get one or two kids that get sucked into this. Next thing you know, You've got, you know, a third of the school is there for self-empowerment and they're leading them down the path to it may start with agnostic and atheism, but it leads down to as bad as that is, as horrible as that is. It leads you down to something actually more, more perverted, sir. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Steve. That's that's certainly right. Uh, on the one hand, uh, oftentimes they're a flash in the pan and they fizzle out. Uh, on the other hand, uh, they're not sacrificing you know people or animals as part of their rituals but they're playing with fire with these satanic symbols or they call themselves satanic clubs and now they're going into these self-help issues and the problem is not whether you have a lot of these proliferate i don't think you will but even having some of them you're going to have kids uh, that get involved in some of these clubs and the consequences although they may look like fun and games at the beginning are going to be problematic the longer that they're led down this false path. I think schools ought to, you know, Good News Clubs, Child Evangelism Fellowship, which is the sponsor of them, they on their own require parents to consent to any kid that comes to their club. It's not a school requirement, it's a national requirement by the organizations. Schools can require parental consent for all their clubs as well. There's other ways to deal with these kinds of nonsensical problematic clubs like these satanic clubs. And most uh, parents are not going to sign a permission slip to go to some satanic club because that's what their name is. So that itself. Could... Yeah, but you, yeah, but yeah, but you can't. Yeah, but you've got these teachers. Heck, you got half these teachers. We, we're going to have Robbie Starbuck and his wife landed on tonight at six o'clock. We're going to go through the whole thing of uh, of uh, what major minor uh, discretion where, where they're pushing this uh, for children can have their own consent at 12 years old, and the teachers yeah. are pushing this. The teachers in the school, two-thirds of the teachers in the school, I wouldn't trust right now. I just wouldn't around the children. Oh, I agree. And what they're pushing. I agree. I mean, hang on, Matt, 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 hang on for a second. Just, we're going to hold through break. I want to get to the – I want to get 
where people can go and get more information about this because we got to get on top of this. I understand, you know, being part of this audience is not the easiest thing in the world. But, hey, you got to say, look, divine providence put me here for a reason. You're raising detra, as they say. Divine providence has got you here for a task and a purpose. I didn't say it was going to be easy. We never promised that at all. I said it was going to be hard. Damn hard. Okay? Short break. Matt Staver. I got the one and the only Liz Yor next in the war room. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. This tried to cut seniors' benefits. In Congress, DeSantis voted three times to cut Social Security, even to privatize Medicare. Worse, DeSantis wanted to raise the retirement age to 70. Ron DeSantis would make us work longer to get less. President Trump promised. We will protect Medicare and Social Security. President Trump delivers, and he always will. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Man, that is central to these uh, these debates going on right now. You're going to be in the uh, the forefront of this, this audience. Uh, so we got it. we're going to be putting lots of information up on Getter today. Make sure that you absorb it because you've got to be at the cutting edge of this debate. You're the head of the creditors committee. Make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon right now. Get the debt trap is the third installment. All of it's free. Just go immerse yourself. These are homework assignments because uh, you've got to be not just awakened. You've got to be at the cutting edge of knowledge for all this. So make sure you go there today. Also, all the different alternatives about our one IRAs, 401ks, about precious metals. You can talk to Philip Patrick and the team about that. But download it all. Go there today. Uh, Matt Staver, uh, Liberty Council, you guys are the yeoman in the vineyards, right, working. How do people get there? Particularly, I know there are going to be a lot of questions about these satanic clubs. People are very, very upset about this. And also, they, they've got to find out more about the good news clubs. Where do they go to find out more about you guys and actually make contact with you, sir? Steve, they can go to Liberty Council's website. Very simple, lc.org. That's just lc.org. If you have questions, you need assistance, we're there to help, and we do that at no cost. That's part of our ministry at Liberty Council. 
By the way, the way we're going to win is the Matt Stavers of the world, the Liz Yours of the world. The people that line up on our football are not going to back down one inch. they got the toughness, the grit, the smarts, and the fighting spirit. They're not going to back down. That's why I say I, I, I like our odds here. It didn't say it was going to be easy, but I like our odds because I like the people on our side of the football. Call me a speciesist, if you may. Matt, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here, brother. Great work at Liberty Council. You guys are great. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for all you do. Thanks, brother. Liz Yor, United Nations. Walk me through. You've got to walk me through the logic of this. I don't understand it. It does play, and people that mock the Q guys and mock the thing, and I've I, I, in the past saying, hey, anybody says white hats, doesn't know what they're talking about. But you see this, and, I mean, you tell me, what is this thing with the United Nations and the, and the no criminalization of any kind of contact with young people by adults on, on, on the sexual... Uh, the predator nature. What, what is going on here? Walk me through this. Well, you know, I feared this day. Um, many child advocates for years have been warning about the normalization and decriminalization of pedophilia. And lo and behold, um, no, no surprise, the UN has issued a report that's been apparently in the making for five years, and it's been pushed by the International Commission on Jurors. So there's many judges on this report from all over the world. In fact, there's professors from Georgetown Law, um, our alma mater, Steve, and Yale. Um, and this is essentially what the United Nations is doing. And once you hear this Everything is going to now fall into place. You will see what the agenda is. The United Nations is now declaring that pedophilia is a human right. And this so-called human right should not be criminalized or prosecuted. They're clearly saying that minors can consent to sex with an adult. Now, in the Judeo-Christian le- legal system, we know that okay, children... Okay, ho, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down, because I know you're going to get blown up. I just want to go back. Tell me, give me the report, the official title of the report. Sure. I want people to be able to link to it. And just give me yeah. it again what the, the thing hasn't been voted on or approved, but it's an official report five years in the making. What's the title of the report? What UN establishment? And and, and people can read it. Get, and what does the report sure. say? Um, And you can see it at Your Children, my um, website, I posted it. It's called The Eight March Principles for a Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law Prescribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, Homelessness, and Poverty. And it's on the UN AIDS website. And it gives legal advice on issues related to sex involving children under the age of 18. Um, So this report um, is, I think, the next generation of we have abortion rights, we have LGBT rights, we have trans rights, and now we're going to have pedophilia rights. And for all those parents who've been scratching their heads saying, you know, they're grooming our kids, you know, with this Um, in kindergarten, in preschool, with books, and sex ed. What is going on? This is what's going on. They are softening the target so that this report can be the basis of pushing for a worldwide decriminalization of sexual exploitation of children. We don't need any more laws on this issue. Steve, we've got state and federal laws that are very strong on protecting children. But 
this is what the elite global elites have always wanted to legitimize pedophilia. And in the, I've never okay. seen a report like okay. this. I have never seen a report. The opening statement is from a um, a former judge, retired judge in South Africa, who is a very prolific gay activist. And he talks about himself in the report. And he said, for many long years in the law, as a proud gay man, I know profoundly how criminal law signals which groups are deemed worthy of protection and which are deemed worthy of condemnation and ostracism. So they are going to destigmatize pedophilia. That's yep. the agenda here. Yep. And, um, okay. you know, it Liz, shouldn't come as a... Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into more. I just want to make sure the report's out there. People can read it, and it goes up on your site. Uh, how do people get to you, both the site to get the report and then your analysis you put up on social media? Where do people go? Sure. Uh, the report is up on your Y-O-R-E children, my website.com. And I'm everywhere um, on all social media platforms under Elizabeth Yore. Um, so the report's up there. I'll be commenting more on it. This is a heads up to parents. And this report is not going on a shelf, Steve. This report is going oh, operational. No. This, it's going operational. Yeah. And this is we're, the reason why Trump wanted to defund the United Nations. The UN. Trump was 100% correct on this. We're going to have mm -hmm. a call to action on this. Thank you, Liz. I didn't say this show was going to be easy today, did I? Not a lot of happy talk. Charlie Kirk follows us back 5 to 7. I'll be here at 6. Natalie Winters at 5. Don't miss it. We're going to be on fire in the war room. Charlie Kirk, Real America's Voice, next. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% 
of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.